Last week we started a brand new sermon series called Stories. And we learned all about how a guy called Philip learned to share his story with other people. And we saw how he went to sharing it from just with his friends to people he did not even like at the beginning of, of, of his journey of faith. And we saw how this man, Philip, suddenly was able to reach nations because of his story. Well, we're going to continue in that today. And we're going to find out a story about someone else. But let me ask you a question. Have any of you ever been in the doghouse? I mean, you know, the doghouse, the place where, where you know you've done something wrong and you're like, uh-oh, I'm in the doghouse. And all the husbands here are like, yep, that's me. I'm in the doghouse. Maybe you've been in the doghouse with your employer and you just want to keep your head down for a while. Or maybe it's with your, with your spouse, your husband or your wife, and you're like, oh, I better give them a little bit of breathing room. Uh, maybe you've just been in the doghouse with a friend or something like that. But you know what it feels like to be in the doghouse. You know that you've done something wrong and you get your little tail and you put it between your legs and you walk outside and you sit in that little house and uh, and you feel sorry for yourself until the person says, I forgive you. And then you're like, woohoo, I'm forgiven. Well, I've discovered that I do not cope well in the dog house. I've discovered that, that if Raquel is ever like annoyed with me because I've done something wrong, and I often do things wrong, I've discovered, uh, if, I, if she's ever mad with me, then I cannot stay, like, like, sometimes I'll be like, okay, I'm going to see how long I can wait out. I'm like, I'm going to wait out like three days. I'm not going to talk to her. And like 10 minutes later, I'm like, honey, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Because I cannot take the doghouse. The reason is, is because that's, when I go in the doghouse, that's all I can think about is why I was there in the first place. My focus changes and the whole situation just overwhelms my emotions and thoughts. And the longer I'm in the doghouse, the worse it gets. My emotions go crazy and I'm like, please, please forgive me. And life is just on hold while I'm in the doghouse. I don't know if anyone, anyone here feels like that, but that's just the way I am. And then the moment I hear the words, I forgive you, it's like I'm a little puppy and I just like, yes. And I like want to run through like a field of flowers and like wave my hands and stuff. That was kind of a little girly, but you know, I mean, that's what I want to do. Life is worth living for again because I am not in the dark house anymore. Everyone is happy and my cloudy day turns into bright, bright sunshine. Well, I've discovered that there is power in forgiveness. And the power of forgiveness is immense. It's one of the most powerful things that we can have in this life is to be able to be forgiven and to forgive others. You know, if you met two people and one, uh, they've both done the same wrong and one had been forgiven and one had not been forgiven, it wouldn't take long for you to be able to distinguish between the two, which one was forgiven and which one wasn't forgiven. But you would see the one who had been forgiven and and, and their attitude would be totally different. Their outlook on life would be different. Uh, they, They would have a different message to give. Their demeanor would be different. But the one who hasn't been forgiven, you would see something in their life, like they're just, there's something that's holding them back. It's almost like they're shackled by what they've done because they haven't been forgiven. Now imagine for the moment that you are one of those people who have been forgiven. And you meet somebody who has done exactly the same wrong as you've done, but they haven't been forgiven. Just imagine what they would see in you. 
Just imagine that what, what they, they would see. They would see somebody who they're like, I wish I could have that person's attitude. I wish I could have that, 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 that person's way about them. Because when you are not forgiven for something, it holds you back in life. And all you want to do is to be forgiven. And you know, if you are a believer of Jesus Christ this morning, then you are one of those people who have been forgiven. You are one of those people who others look at and think, what is it about these people? They're like free. They're like, like want to dance through a field of like roses or something. There's something about these people that is just attractive. I don't know what. And, and if you're not forgiven, sometimes you can't even recognize that that person is a forgiven person. But if you are a believer of Jesus Christ this morning, then others may look on you in envy because you are free. Because you have been forgiven. But yet, you know what? Your purpose is not just now just to get on with your own little life like I'm forgiven, I can get on with my life. Your purpose now is to find other people who have not been forgiven and then show them the way that they can find forgiveness in their life. Find other people who are in the eternal doghouse and lead them back into the house. You know, one day Jesus was on a journey with his disciples. And it was like a real long journey. And like for you and me, it would probably take like 20 minutes to get in our car. But for Jesus and his disciples, they had to walk everywhere. And then they wore, there was like dusty roads. And then they wore sandals. I'm like, have you ever like walked on a dusty road with sandals? It's like you're stopping every five minutes. You're taking your flip-flops off and you're like shaking the dust out of them and the, and the grit. Well, I don't know why Jesus was a smart man, but I think he should have had better shoes. Anyway, so... He was on this journey with his disciples, and the journey was going to take a couple of days. Now, there was a direct route, and then there was an indirect route. And most of the Jews who went on the same journey that Jesus did took the indirect route. You see, because from the point of departure uh, to the, uh, the destination that was taken, there was a city in the middle called the city of, or a region called the region of Samaria. And Samaria, and we learned this last week, if you were here last week, because Philip went to Samaria. Samaria was like the armpit of Judah. Nobody wanted to go to Samaria. And if you went to Samaria, then you'd have to deal with people called Samaritans. And the Jews did not like the Samaritans. And so, if you were a Jew, you would not be seen dead in Samaria, because it just doesn't happen. And so, if you're going on this journey... Let's bring it into context. If you're like a Baltimore Ravens fan, how many Ravens fans have we got here this morning? Woo-hoo-hoo. Okay, so if you're a Baltimore Ravens fan and you're having a beautiful summer in Ocean City, you're on the beach, and they have a, a preseason, uh, for, you know, a preseason game uh, at Ravens Stadium, and you've got to go from Ocean City to Baltimore. Well, there's a few different ways you can go, but you know, you're going to go the most direct route. Now imagine if you put the city of Pittsburgh right in the middle of that, uh, of that route. Most of you are not going to go through Pittsburgh. If you're real Ravens fans, you're not. Like the, the ones when Ravens just do good, then you may do. But if you're a real Ravens fan, you're not going to go through Pittsburgh. And you'd probably go around it to avoid Pittsburgh. Well, this is exactly the same, but on like another level. These people did not like Samaria, and Jews did not like Samaritans. So let's pick up this story where it is. So if you've got your Bibles, if you want to turn to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. And I'll be honest, I don't know what's going on with my voice today, but it's getting like high-pitched and it's all going, so 
I apologize. Sorry. So John chapter 4. It says there, it says, Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John the Baptist. Though Jesus himself did not baptize them, his disciples did. So when he left Judea, uh, uh, so he left Judea and he returned to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, Jesus came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field of Jacob. Gave to, uh, that near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well. Um, and it was about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. Jesus was alone at this time because the disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for the Jews refused to do, have any, um, to do anything with the Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking for a drink? So let's bring this into just a little bit of context. This story is like one of the most intriguing stories in the Bible. Firstly, we'd see that Jesus is on this long walk, and it's got about noontime. Now, for some of you, noontime might be like the time that you get out of bed or something. But for us people who like work and get up early, noontime is lunchtime. Noontime is the time when you start feeling a little fatigued and you want to take a little break. Well, Jesus has probably been on the road walking with his disciples for a long time. And Jesus tells his disciples, okay, I want you to go into the village. I want you to go and buy some food, some supplies for the journey, and I'm going to stay here. And so Jesus sees that in the middle of the village there is this well. And so Jesus goes up to the well, and he goes to get a drink. And the reason is, is because the well was like the centerpiece of the village. And that was the place that you got water. Now imagine it being a hot, hot summer, and you've been walking for a couple of hours. Now it's probably about 120 degrees outside. Jesus is thirsty. And even though Jesus was God in, man, in, the, in, in the flesh of man, Jesus still got thirsty. So Jesus went to this well to get a drink. And like I said, the well was the centerpiece of the village. Everybody used the well. Some people would walk for miles just to come to the well to get water. See, the, the well wasn't just a place that you got water. The well was a place that everybody hung out together. I mean, it was like, the, the, the ancient water cooler. I mean, you got all the news and all the business at the well. I mean, it was like Starbucks of the day, except for you didn't pay four bucks for a bottle of water. You know, it was free. So everybody came together. You met your friends at the well. You heard the news of the town at the well. The well was an, uh, as much about a social environment as it was about getting water. So now the time when Jesus comes to the well is important because it's noontime. Probably the hottest time of the day. Now, there's a saying in England, and I'm going to teach you an English saying this morning. And we use it a lot. And the saying goes like this. Mad dogs and Englishmen go out in the midday sun. When everybody else decides to go inside and have their air conditioning, if you ever go to Britain and you go to the beach, it's nothing like the beach is here, like pebbly and stuff. But if you go on a nice day, and when I mean nice day in, in England, it's like 65 degrees. And, uh, 
And you get like 70, it's like, whoo, it's a little hot. So you get 65 degrees, you go to the beach, and all you see is that everybody just starts going out, taking their tops off, putting their Speedos on. And no, British people do not wear Speedos, I'm telling you. It's just like, they're the Germans and the French and everything. But anyway, so they're, they're all there. And like when most of us, and then it gets really, really hot, and they stay out more and more and more. And you can tell a British person from a mile away if they've been out in the sun, because they start glowing like a lobster. And when most of us now, and I consider myself half American now, and so we decide, let's go in the air conditioning when it gets really hot. Well, English people don't. But everybody else in the world does. They go inside. Well, it was the same for these Jewish people. Jewish people did not go to the well at noontime. Jewish people, or the Samaritans, anybody who had a well, they would get up early in the morning, and they would go and get their water, And then maybe late at night, when the sun starts setting, they would go and get the water. You did not go to the well at noon time. And plus, there was nobody to socialize with. There was no news to to, to hear because nobody else was there. So if you went to the well at lunchtime, you were kind of like a mad dog and you were lonely. However, the Bible tells us that a woman comes up to the well. And then Jesus sees her and he says, woman, give me a drink of water. Give me a drink of water. Now the significance of this is unbelievable because just in this one encounter, Jesus broke three Jewish customs in this one encounter. The first custom that Jesus broke is that you should never, as a Jewish man, never be alone with another woman without your wife. And Jesus was at the well alone with this woman. The second custom that Jesus broke is that Jewish men should never, ever speak to Samaritan women. Because they were like the lowest of the low. But Jesus starts speaking to this Samaritan woman. And then the third custom that Jesus uh, broke was that Jews should never accept any food or water from Samaritans. The Jews thought they were dirty people. They were like dirty, dirty race. And they were like, we do not even socialize with these people, let alone take food or water. And Jesus comes up to this woman who he should not be alone with, who he should not speak to, and he says, will you give me a drink of water? It's pretty crazy what Jesus did. Well, the story continues, and let's read it. So in John chapter 4 and verse 10, it says this. Jesus replied to the woman, if only you knew the gift God has for you, And who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. Because in those days, if you came to the well, you came with a rope and a bucket, and you would lower it down, you'd take the water, and you'd bring it up. Well, Jesus didn't have any of this. She said, sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. And this is a very deep well. Where would you get this living water? And besides, you do, uh, uh, who do you think you are? Do you think that you're greater than your ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and the animals that, that enjoyed the water? And then Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. 
then I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here to this well to get water. And Jesus says, go and get your husband. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus says, you're right, you don't have a husband. For you have had five husbands and the guy that you're married and, and, and you aren't even married to the man you are living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. So the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me why it is that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place to worship. While we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gersimim, where the ancestors worshipped. Jesus replied, uh, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship. While we, know, we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. For the time is coming indeed, and it's here now, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman says, I know the Messiah is coming. The one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then the disciples came back. They were shocked to find Jesus talking to the woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her or why are you talking to her? So the story becomes a little clearer. Remember I said nobody goes to the well at noontime. Well, suddenly we discover why this woman is coming to the well when no one else is coming to the well. The reason is, is because this woman is an outcast in her society. This woman is that woman. You know the woman everybody talks about. The woman where you go to Chick-fil-A or Starbucks and you're like, whoa, check who just walked in. You know, she is that woman. She's the woman that women do not like. She's the woman that the guys think is like easy or something and they like all ask her out. She's the woman that wives do not want their husbands being around. She has had five husbands. And now the guy she shacked up with isn't even her husband. Now let me tell you, and I don't want to offend anyone this morning, but if you've had five husbands, you've got some serious issues. I mean, you've got some issues that you probably need to work through. And I don't think we've got anyone here this morning who's had five husbands. But this woman had five husbands. Now that would be bad in today's society. But in the Jewish society, you did not get divorced. I mean, divorce was not an option. So this woman now has been divorced five times, and now she is living with a guy who's not even her husband. This woman was a sinful woman. And this woman had come to this well because she was probably an outcast. Nobody else wanted to be around her. And yet, despite the sins of this woman, we discover that this day, she found forgiveness. This day would be the day that she would tell everybody for the rest of her life that the Messiah, the Christ, came and forgave her of her sins. This woman who came to this well, she was shackled by all these sins. She, she was held back by these sins. She was tied down. She couldn't get on with her life. 
because of these sins. Nobody wanted to be around this woman. But this was the day when this woman was set free and she was forgiven. She found new life. This was the day when this woman walked to the, the well and her life was all cloudy and miserable. And she left and it was bright sunshine. It was a brand new day for this woman. And this is a story about a woman finding forgiveness. But yet this, what this story shows us so much more than just a quick encounter with Jesus. This story shows us a woman whose life was changed. And that is the story that people need to hear. People need to hear the story of life change. How many of you have got pets here this morning? Well, not as many as I thought. You know, I thought we like tons of pets. I do know that people here in our church, ones who have got dogs, have got huge dogs who when you go through the door, they just charge at you. I don't know what it is about Generation Church, but like I brace myself when I go through anyone's door because you've got these big dogs. Well, my sister and my brother-in-law have got these two little dogs. They're like little rats, to be honest. And one's a, one's, one's a, a, a B, they're a cross between a Bishan and a Shih Tzu. And, uh, and... You don't want to get that mixed up at all, I'm telling you. But, but they're these little rats, and they, they yap around and, and things. And, and when my brother-in-law takes them for a walk, I'm like, no man in his right mind should be taking these little dogs for a walk. I mean, it just doesn't look right. But anyway, one day, he decided to buy himself one of these black lights. And so he went home, and he turned off all the lights, and he sh- then he put these black lights on. And as he looked out at, at his couch and his carpet, you know, that he thought was in pristine condition, suddenly he just started to see all the spots and the marks and everything on there where these little rats had, like, done stuff that you just don't want to be doing on a couch. You know, and he was horrified. And next thing you know, he's got them outside. My sister comes in. What are you doing with the dogs outside? Bring them in and everything. And they're on the bed and everything. And I'm just like, I do not even want to sit down in their house now. Because now I know that they've got like these dogs that do things on couches. And it's like nasty. But what I've discovered is that Jesus can sometimes be like that black light in our lives. I've discovered that Jesus is in fact the light of the world. And the one thing that light does is that it exposes dirt. It exposes dirt. Why do you think we have like low lights in here, you know, in the movie theater? Sometimes, I'll be honest, and, and, and you know, it's pretty clean, but sometimes we'll come in here in the morning, I'm like, okay, we need to get the vacuum out, we need to scrub and things like that. Because people come into a movie theater and they just like, Popcorn everywhere. Let me just say on a side note, if you go to a movie theater, don't leave the popcorn on the floor or your drink on the floor. Take it out and use the trash can because people like us have to clean it up. So anyway, but Jesus is the light and Jesus exposes the dirt. And I've discovered the closer that you get to Jesus, the more he'll expose your dirt. And this woman here, this woman who met Jesus at this well, suddenly in a split second, her dirt was exposed. You know, Psalm 90 verse 8 says this. It says, you spread out our sins before you, our secret sins, and you see them all. Talking about God. God sees them all. And it was Job in Job 12, 22, he says this. He says, God, he uncovers mysteries hidden in darkness. He brings to light the deepest gloom. 
And I don't know where you are in your life today. But Jesus sees it all. And the reason I think Jesus exposes these sins isn't to get one over on us. It's so that we can identify the sin in our lives. Because Jesus desires to forgive us. But you can't be forgiven for something unless you know that you've done something wrong. And I've discovered that the closer that you get to Jesus, the more He'll expose your sin. You know, a few, a few years ago, I really started just naming down my relationship with God. And I really started making my prayer time and my Bible reading a priority. And as I started doing that, suddenly I felt that I was just getting closer to Jesus. And as I was getting closer to Jesus, I just felt that my, my sin was just being exposed more and more and more. And I'll be honest, a few years ago, I felt more sinful then than when I first came to Jesus Christ. Because the closer that you get to Jesus, the more Jesus will expose those things, those secret things in your life. Because Jesus sees it all. And that day, the Samaritan woman realized that the story of Jesus is the story about being exposed. The story about being exposed. Because this woman had a story about being exposed. Now notice, Jesus didn't call everybody from the village, say, hey, everybody come down to the well. There's this woman here. She's got five husbands and she's sacked up with this guy. She's a sinful woman. No, Jesus did it privately with her. And Jesus said to her, he says, yeah, I know what you've been going through. But this is the place that you can find forgiveness. Because I think when you get closer to Jesus... Jesus just starts personally dealing with your heart, dealing with your life, and exposing those things, sometimes so only you can see. Other people can't see them, but you can see those things in your life. And you know this morning, if you are in this place, and you're hearing this, and you're thinking, no, I know there's some things in my life that need to be sorted. I know there's some things that need to be fixed in my life. As you're hearing this, maybe it's through worship or through the Word, you're, you're feeling like the light of God is just exposing some things in your life right now. If that is you, then don't fight it. Let Christ illuminate it. Because it's only through illuminating and finding that stuff in your life that you can find that true forgiveness. For this woman had a story about being exposed. Not only that, this woman also had a story about filling her void. A story about filling her void. Notice this woman came to the well to get water. And water is used to satisfy your thirst. But it's funny because this woman left not ever having any water. Her thirst was still there. But the the, the water can only satisfy you for a while. But soon, she would have to come back to the well again to fill that void in her life. Yet Jesus says to this woman, He says, woman, He says, I am going to give you living water. The type of water that you will never thirst again. This was the type of water that would fill the void In her life. And boy did this woman have a huge void in her life. You don't have to be a psychiatrist to realize that this woman probably had a lot of issues with men. This woman probably was very uh, down on herself. She, she, She probably had a lot of issues. She probably had a lot of depression. She probably looked in the mirror and didn't feel pretty. 
This woman was probably a woman who would, who would seek out uh, the, the, the approval of men. This woman was a woman who probably found, thought that she could be satisfied through men. But the reason she probably had five husbands is because that satisfaction never came. The void was never filled. And this woman was empty. This woman came to this well that day empty. Yet the day that she met Jesus, that big hole in her life was filled in. And you may ask why. Well, the reason is, it's because when you meet Jesus, you leave with a story of being full. Jesus always fills you up. He never leaves you empty. And you know what I've discovered as well? I've discovered that relationships with others can only satisfy us if first we have formed that relationship with Jesus. You know, there's so many marriages, there's so many relationships, there's so many families that are breaking up all across this nation. And we see it more and more and more. And I realize, I think it's because people are trying to find that void in their life through their relationships. But when you find Jesus first, and then you form those relationships, it's like a totally new day for you. You know, John chapter 7 and verse 38 says this. It says, anyone who believes in me, Jesus was saying this, anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. You know, Jesus tells this woman, she said, You'll, you drink the water that I will give you, it's living water, and it will form a spring within your heart. Then three chapters later, Jesus is saying, no, this, this spring, this living water, is now rivers of living water. You know what a river does? A river doesn't just satisfy you. A river will satisfy others as well. A river it will, will, will flow. And if a river floods, it reaches and reaches and reaches. And that's what happens with your story. When you meet Jesus, it doesn't just fill you up. It starts to expand and it starts to fill others up as well. Because they see the rivers, the living water that is coming from your life. This woman had a story about being exposed. But she also had a story about being filled up. And lastly this morning, this woman had a story to tell. A story to tell. You know, this woman, even though she was exposed privately, she declared what God had done in her life openly. The heart that has been forgiven and the heart that meets Jesus is a heart with a story to tell. And the story ends like this. John chapter 4 verse 28 says, The woman left her water jar beside the well. She wasn't even worried about water at this time. She left her water water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, the place she was an outcast, telling everyone, come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see Jesus. And then in verse uh, 39, it says this. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus. Because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. 
when they came out to see Jesus, they begged him to stay in the village. So he stayed there for two days, long enough for many more to hear the message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe not just because of what you have told us. So now not just because of the woman's story, but now we believe because we know he is indeed the savior of the world. This woman had a story to tell. This woman told everyone she knew she was a forgiven woman with a message to tell. No longer was she ashamed. No longer was she looking for more, after, more in life and, and, and going at this and that, trying to fill that void. This woman was now full, filled and she was forgiven. And what we find is that her story starts to reach others. People who don't even like her. People who she probably didn't even like. People started to see a change in this woman's life. And they started to see, okay, who is the man who has changed this woman? I need to see him. And then they find Jesus. And then suddenly, it's not about the woman's story anymore. Suddenly they have their own story. Because their lives have been changed by Jesus Christ. And you know what? I've discovered many people never tell the story of the day they met Jesus. They don't do it because some have forgotten what it feels like to be forgiven. Some have forgotten that feeling of having their sins exposed and Jesus filling that void. Many uh, have even forgotten how thick and dirty their dirt was in their lives. How sinful they were. Often others meet Jesus. But unlike this woman, they carry on with their life and nothing changes. They don't let Jesus' light shine and expose their sin. And they refuse to let Jesus give living water that will fill their void. And I don't know about you today, but if that's you, today is the day to climb out of that doghouse. Because today is the day where you can find forgiveness for all your sins. Today is the day not to be held back by your past. Not to be held back by your dirt and your sin. Not to be held back by the things that have tormented you for years. For Jesus is here. And where Jesus is, there is freedom. And when you have freedom, you have a story to tell. And if I, there's one thing I want to tell you this morning. If I want one thing I want you to go away with is that if you have been forgiven for Je- by Jesus, you have a story to tell. Let's pray.